not looking at children as they're just these stupid little beings. No, they're fucking brilliant little beings. And actually, we have probably more to learn from them than they do from us because they're, they, they come whole and complete. They're living the way that a human probably would be had we not set all these fucking rules. Welcome to the Have It All podcast. I'm Elon Ferdman, and along with my brother Guy, we're Satori Prime. We've spent the last 16 years on a quest of mastery, and not just in business, all areas. Mastery of our finances, our bodies, our relationships, and most importantly, our minds. You see, while most people fantasize about their dream life, we went out and created it. And you bet we learned a few things along the way. So if you want to gain new skills and tools that will help you achieve the life of your dreams, well, you've come to the right place. So get ready to have your mind expanded. Implement what you learn here today, and you'll start living the life of your dreams instead of just, well, dreaming about it. So are you ready to have it all? Let's go. Well, my fellow Satorians, it has come to our attention that many of you are not yet aware of some massive news in the Satori Prime world. So let me let you in on a not so little secret right now. So Guy and I have recently created an app that you can now download on your iPhone or your Android device just by searching for Satori Prime in either iTunes or the Google Play Store. Or if you want, you can even download it directly to your desktop by going to app satoriprime.com and the reviews are in and they are lively things like life-changing i love the gamification i share this with everyone in my life and my favorite how is this free so if you want to join your fellow satorians in our very own exclusive community then like i said head either to your itunes or google play store and search for satori prime or simply go to app.satoriprime.com and install it on your desktop. So as soon as you join, what we're going to do is we're going to give you access not only to our amazing community, we're also going to give you access to a completely free 10-part transformational mini-series that we've never released anywhere else. And this is where you can begin to uncover all of these limiting beliefs and start upgrading them. Things like money, overwhelm, procrastination, You'll get to see how you can create accountability in your life like never before, and you'll get to experience life in a whole new way. So if you haven't done so already, come join our Satorian family today. Make sure to go download that app. And now it's time for the episode. You know, I think what's been really interesting to me as a late guy has been, um, and it's interesting because I know some of the work you were doing in Italy too, is is some of the these upgrades and, and the work I'm doing right now with the Supreme Performance Academy, which, you know, the way I look at it is I work with a lot of high achievers that are wanting to get to the next level. And ironically, it's, for me, it's a reductionistic process of actually pulling back and stripping away all the devices, all the, you know, and I, I don't know where you're at on this whole thing, but even the nootropics and all the other, like, um, so this is where this gets potentially controversial for a lot of people is, you know, all the, all the, all the potential short-term um, wins. And I'm sure we can talk about some long-term sustainable things, but for, yeah, to create sustainable high performance for people. So um, with a combination of movement, productivity, fulfillment, and really looking at like, what is that balance for that person? Like what's the blueprint looking at their biology and their circadian trading, all those kinds of rhythms um, that are going to be optimized for them. So, so for my own clarity, uh, which part is controversial? Are you saying to not take performance enhancing thingies or are you saying take, yeah. take those things? Yeah, no. Yeah. So that's the, 
that's what I think is the controversial thing. A lot of the, a lot of the people that I'm working with at the moment are in Silicon Valley. So lots of people in the tech industry and just people like, frankly, and I think for people that are listening, like my background, I, you may not even know this guy. I worked tell, for a, tell me things, tell me things. I worked yeah. for a, a tech startup in San Diego working uh, 90 hour work weeks and, um, oh. you know, Gary Vaynerchuk crushing, hustling all the Grant Cardone, Tony Robbins, your face, massive action, all the, you know, I mean, like just like high performance, massive action. And, um, <laughs> just fucking obliterated my adrenals and, uh, mm. which, uh, which it does, you know, like as that stuff does. And, um, but what's also cool is it was like, we were creating like the Netflix for optimal living. So we were in the midst of that. I was interviewing. So I amassed probably a thousand hours of talking to, so I was content production. So I was talking to the world thought leaders. I'm surprised we didn't talk to you guys at the time of um, conscious uh, business, um, conscious parenting, spirituality and mindfulness, you know, health and fitness, productivity, all across the board. Um, So amassed hundreds and hundreds of thousands of hours of content uh, to the point where I got what I called wisdom constipation at the time because I was just cramming. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I think I got this really beautiful, like micro experience of what I think we have on the macro level, which is just like this information overload, which actually was listening to a podcast this morning and I I can't remember who the woman was, but um, she was discussing boredom. And so part of my background too is neuroscience and what's happening in default mode. So I don't know how much you know about this guy, but like when we're bored, and this is part of the stuff that I teach in the academy, which is um, we go into this this repetitive um, place in the mind. It's called default mode. And that's where our sense of self uh, really starts to be constructed. And that's where our sense of um, like making sense of the world actually happens. That's when our unconscious mind like really flips into gear and starts whirling and like putting some things together. So um, just how quickly we're moving um, in 2000. 17, almost 18. Uh, it's just like, it's frankly, it, it's not sustainable for this human technology for, you know, as compared to computers, which we're working with all the time. So um, yeah, it's fascinating stuff. And not that I want to take us particularly in this direction, but I'll say something controversial. I've often right. thought that like, like things of terrorism, extremism in general, fundamentalism, a lot of it is a symptom of just boredom. <laughs> I really uh, do think uh, that, you know, like you have these, you have these countries that actually have a lot of wealth but doesn't trickle down to the people these really big discrepancy gaps and these people have nothing to sit around honestly um you know be culturally indoctrinated religiously indoctrinated and then sit around to think about who to blame for the issues that they have in their lives where it's really just a matter of you know the powers that be that are not giving them access to whatever tools they have and in the meantime they have internet or the information is getting to them about the way people are living. And of course that's going to create, um, you know, just like looking at the mind, right. A form of comparison. Comparison is the number one thing that sucks joy out of your fucking life immediately. And, you know, and before you know it, it's like, it's only a matter of time before you're like, you're looking for that enemy. Uh, Democracy 101 is have an enemy. <laughs> you know, like that's it. You want to rile people behind you and you want to get people engaged and have an enemy, right? There's no time in American history where we're not fighting. so like peace is not part of the programming right um so you know it's 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 good to i don't know how people would agree with that and i do feel like that's maybe a little bit controversial whatever if it is it is it's not a ton um and i don't really want to talk about that but i i do want to go back to what you're saying like 
I feel the same way. Like I've been, I've been in developmental work for 15 straight years, like no stop since I've been 19 years old. And I'm at this point where I realize partly with nootropics too, and like psychedelics and, and all the rest of it, which I'm a huge proponent of. And I feel like maybe for the first time in my life, I see that a lot of my motivation for doing stuff like that is based on automated survival patterns that I've had. And Ooh. this, and this rigorous subconscious belief in testing myself, reality and people all the time uh, to the point where I've asked myself questions for a few years. Like, why is it that I feel like I've been living my life on this edge of like anything could go wrong at any time. And like, I have to almost put my life at risk to feel like I'm alive. And that's the really like masculine way to approach things. So when you yeah. said like the Gary V approach, the Tony Robbins approach, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. You know, give me a few years back. And I've been like, yeah, Gary V and da da da. But like our, our monikers have it all. And whatever that means, whatever that means to you is means to you. I look at Gary V and I don't think he has it all. I think he has, I think he has some, he doesn't have it all. He's a great businessman, but he's got one message. And from what I know about his relationship with his wife, his relationship with his family, it doesn't exist. If you're working that much, there's no relationship there. That was for all the ladies, that guy. So, you know, and, and, and like that, I, I don't, I think we've measured success in this really like binary way. You have money successful. No money, not successful. Honestly, though, if you look at the men and women of, of the history and of our past, that we're like success. Mother Teresa, uh, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, not really big on money. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with money. I'm just saying the people we historically remember are not the, really the people who made money. I think that's like a newer thing. Um, and that's changing too, right? Because like the people who have money today, are, we're, we're honoring them because they're philanthropic in nature, the Elon Musks of the world, not the Rockefellers, right? Um, like people who want to make social change and are engaging that stuff and are, have the bigger vision that, that our governments just yeah. refuse to have for whatever reason. So uh, I don't really know where I want to go with that, but I'll leave it no, there. No, that's so good. No, that spark for me is like, see, this is where it's good. You and I are generators. So like, we just like start getting <laughs> It's really, really good. No, because I was just thinking about, I love this Wallace D. Waddles quote from like the 1800s. And he talked about, I have a moral obligation to circulate wealth and abundance in order to fully express myself in the world. And what I think what you just said, I love what you just hit on guy, because that's, they have quotes from billionaires that were like, it, it cost me my entire fortune to keep Gandhi um, poor. Like, (laughs) because, because so much money circulated around Gandhi, you know, and and so it wasn't about the actual material uh, accumulation, but about the, the money coming in and immediately flowing out. And obviously you can tie as many spiritual things to that as you want. But, um, you know, I just think that that's so powerful and so valuable. So to me, success, like you just said, is having it all. Um, And that's where those are sort of, I guess, if I had like a tagline for myself is is productivity and fulfillment and really how do we create that. And I know you know, too, Amanda, my wife and I have a company called Relational Intelligence, too. So I look at it from the, yeah, this really macro perspective is like, how do I create, um, how do I like make the numbers? How do I make the impact? Like, how do I actually create productivity, but doing it from a way that also balances out with the fulfillment aspect and how I'm really creating boundaries and agreements and expectations with not just my body and my energy, but my mind, my emotions, my partner, business partners, like all of these things and really managing all of that. Because I think that that we have, 
so the way I look at it is like we have we have boundaries, whether we I'm sure you've probably talked about this before with other people too. It's like we have boundaries, whether we realize it or not. Like, you know, people talk about I don't have boundaries. It's like, no, you do have boundaries. You have supportive and unsupportive boundaries. And I feel like that's a lot of times what's not looked at is um just sometimes how unsupportive our boundaries are in creating the life that we want. And again, so, so, def- so define those two for me. Like like give 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 a real world example of what you mean by support. Yeah, so I mean, like, I mean how does that show up? Yeah, I think it's really obvious when it comes to relationships, just having boundaries around like getting your needs and desires met. That's a really obvious boundary. And so either you're like letting your partner step all over you and get their needs and desires met. And that boundary is just like you could get pushed back to the wall and nothing would change. Or on the flip side, you know, if you're looking at business, it may just be, yeah, the boundary around your your workday. Uh, I work with entrepreneurs primarily for that reason, because, you know, a lot of that stuff's defined if you're working a nine to five. But if you're working for yourself, there's a lot of ambiguity. Like, that's what's so fascinating. I work with a lot of marketers, a lot of people in sales, a lot of people in real estate, a lot of people in tech. It's just because there's a million ways to reach goal X. And it's really like how do I go about that in a way that is like fun as hell is pretty fast and is also sustainable for my life, like for my relationships and for my energy. So fascinating shit, man. And I love that you and, and, uh, and your bro do the same, I mean, do similar stuff, you know, in that way of like, ha- yeah, frankly, having it all. Um, Cause yeah, it's great to like build a business, but it's also great to like feel really connected to your heart in the midst of that and really connected to your partner and have the intimacy and the, all those things, you know? So, yeah, that's, that's the name of the game for me. So I work primarily with people that feel like they're in transition, you know, that are like, ah, man, I've done it for so freaking long this way. And like, I've made tons of money and I like, or I'm like making mediocre money, but I feel like there's a glass ceiling on my happiness and potentially my money and my intimacy and my connection. And yeah, it's a lot of the, I feel like you're probably into the Enneagram guy. I don't know if you are or not, but just personality type stuff. So the number three is the achiever. Okay. And it's the person that like at all, you're a, you're a three guy in a lot of ways. I, I imagine it's just like, they will stop at all. They like, won't stop. They will stop at nothing to get and achieve and be at the next level and be the best and, um, and want to look good on the way to the top. So, so yeah, so, I mean, it's, I think it's like, so I have, I have what I call the hierarchy of supreme performance and I take people, you know, like Maslow, I take yep. people up the ladder What's fascinating is the diagnostic tools, I actually flip it, I invert it and have them go down the ladder as well. Um, Well, I don't have them do that. That's what they're doing is they're going down the ladder. So I'm like, okay, let's reverse it back up the ladder. But the very first thing that it starts, you know, this whole culture of like, let's be superhuman, you know, all this like over the top masculinity, which again, cool. Like you said, five years ago, 10 years ago, it's like, cool, awesome. I was totally there too. Um, In some ways, I'm even still building that muscle some days, but um but what's fascinating about that is, is that's, that's actually like the first step towards burnout is the compulsion to prove oneself is like the compulsion to not follow what's going on in here, yep. but to actually start to like, I need to just like be, do and have everything that I'm not already from this. Yeah. Just like not enoughness. And then, you know, from there it goes to like overwhelm and neglecting your needs and then cynicism, isolation, addiction and then eventually you just get down to burnout fucking sucks and you know I'm, i only say that because i was there and um and i felt super confused and uh kind of helpless in the midst of all of it so uh, yeah I, I couldn't agree more i think you know like we 
there has been this like success formula of just like getting it. It's it's, it's funny because today it seems ironic to me that I, I ever even thought that way. Like the first four years of building my business, but I say the first two years of building my business, I had spent or invested six to seven days a week working 14, 16 hours a day. Yeah, buddy. And because I was, I like, I was in commercial real estate going into the crash. So when the, when that whole thing happened, I was like the co-captain of the ship and I lost everything. Like I moved back home with my parents. I didn't have enough money to even like feed kittens at the time. I had like my two cats. So like I rehoused them. I like sold all my furniture. Yeah. We won't get into that whole story, but, um, I'm, I'm a both, I'm a both person. I just don't have a lifestyle for a dog. Nor, nor do I want to invest in a child for the next 15 years of my life. Right. Um, which is what makes me feel like with a dog. Yeah. So, you know, back to my point is like at that time, like that gets results, right? But there's like, I'm getting results. Like it's water coming through a hose or I can get results. Like there's, I'm staying under a waterfall and I'm like overwhelmed by how much magic is happening. I, I would prefer side B today. So it's funny because I look now and I think the body is giving you guidance all the time in terms of what energy is available to you at any given time. And that's uh, whether you believe it or not, based on celestial events and what the fuck the moon is doing and, you know, the subconscious beliefs and so many other systems that are at play and energies that are playing on your body at any given time. And I'm like, now it seems silly to me, like a nine to five schedule. Nobody even does nine to five anymore. It's like nine to seven, nine to eight now, you know, um, and, and you're just, you're working with energy you don't have trying to make something happen. Of course it feels like an uphill battle. And on top of that, so you said like I'm a number three and in a way I am and in a way I've transitioned away from that. I will tell you though what I see where people get stopped. I think for a lot of people, the number one focus is how do I overcome what's happening, right? We have a society that's built on resiliency instead of a society that's built on receiving pleasure. So especially because that's that's the masculine way, you know, we're resilient, this it's the same thing with like sexual acts right like one gives one takes and and the the feminine is all about receiving but like receiving with like fierceness like it, it like yeah. too, i'm i'm so worthy i fucking receive so so now what i realize is like one of the, we try to overcome anger we try to overcome sadness like instead of just realizing it's all baked into the system what, yeah. what are you trying to overcome like your biology that's like i'm trying to overcome being a man you know so whatever yeah so so one of the things i see is that we've become obsessed with overcoming problems. Now, if you look at a problem by the, by the very nature of it, just like anger, like problems are something that humans create because we're fucking bored. We need a problem. We need something to work on. Now go solve your problem. And you tell me what's waiting behind that problem is the next damn problem to solve. So it's like your whole life is just becoming this like problem solver, problem solver. This is all I do with my life is problem solver. Great. So now that we've identified that phenomenon, right? There's this phenomenon of us creating problems. It's not about overcoming the phenomenon on earth to figure out how to not do that. Cause again, it's baked in. My question is always, how do we leverage the phenomenons and the pattern recognition that we can associate with? So it's like, all right, well, if we're going to create problems instead of allowing the circumstances to dictate what that is, create a problem that's actually worth giving your life over to, to solve. And it should be a problem that's fucking big. You don't actually know how to solve it in this lifetime. For me, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Yeah. And and I think even if for most people, like let's say you can get to that point, you have to, you don't have to do anything. You get to create that problem and then relinquish the attachment that you would have to how it looks to solve that problem. Because if you wake up in the morning with an attachment to that, like for me, like our problem is 100 million people transformed. 
And should I and should I somehow resolve to figure out how to reach 100 million people in my lifetime, I will throw another zero on it and I'll make a billion people. So it's big enough for me at that point in time. Now, if I woke up every morning and I look out in the world, I'm like, clearly the world is not transformed. If I was attached to that, I would have some kind of upset about that. And I would stop playing my game because I would think that I'm doing it wrong. But if I don't have an attachment, I just I'm driven and committed to have that show up in the world, just like Gandhi did or Martin Luther King or Mother Teresa. I'm sure we're guided by these same principles is that like that's the game I get to play every day. That's why when Monday rolls around, I'm as excited as when Friday evening rolls around. And it's funny. I wrote a book like years ago and I'll end it with this. Like I I wrote a book years ago um, that I really didn't actually publish called Living for Mondays because I because I. Yeah, because at the time I realized that like my whole life was about like I was living for Fridays. And then I, I ca- and I calculated the amount of time that like people enjoy with with sleep, with work and everything. So like you break down the weekend and once you take take away sleep, it worked out to something like about roughly 30 hours of like leisure time in a week that we're like looking forward to. And I'm like, there's 168 hours in the week and I'm waiting for 30 of them. I'm like, what kind of fucking psychotic bullshit is this? Right. And, and, and it really just changed my view. I'm like, how do I love Mondays? Yeah. And, and that, that whole book was about the inquiry of how do you love a Monday? Um, and then that's, and that's what it is. One day I should probably publish it. I would just write a really different book today and it just sat on the shelf for a long time. Dude, let's absolutely publish that shit. <laughs> no, I, I used to have a, it's ironic actually, because this company that I was working at at the time, we used to say TGIM. Thank God. Yeah. And, um, and so it became kind of a mantra for us, but um, you know, different, different reasons, different energy behind it. But um, yeah, I think it's so valuable. The other day I had somebody, you know, you know, there's that kind of rapport build thing where somebody's like, yeah, ooh, ready for this week to end. Right. And I was like, uh, no, not, a, no, actually I feel awesome. Like I feel fucking great. And I was, it was somebody earlier today and I was like, no, I, this is like, I build in so much sustainability in my work days and whether it's 15 minute breaks to do just like some little movement snacks, is yep. what I call them or, um, just something like that to really take my mind off uh, directed attention and bring it into undirected attention, whether I'm, you know, taking a walk on the beach. And like you said, it's beautiful because we live in a place where like, that's not some like crazy two weeks out of the year. I get to go do that. It's like right. freaking life. I get to go do that. And um, because, but again, cause I choose to do that. And so that's, yeah, that's like baked into my day and that's when I create content and that's when I like have some of my best conversations with people. Um, and that's, I mean, that's a lot of the work that I teach. It's just like, frankly, you know, I realized in doing those 90 hour work weeks, my best ideas sure as hell did not come when I was, um, when I was sitting at my desk, like, no, no, they came when I was taking walks and when I was like in the shower. And when I was like, you know, like, like, like just like kind of glazed over looking out the car window, (laughs) like those are when my good ideas came. Um, so, so frankly, like that's a lot of the the productivity that I teach people is, you know, I, I think your audience is ready to hear it, but just like the masculine versus feminine dynamic. And like, what does that look like in our, in our actual work day? Um, because I think you're right. I think it's, it's this, like, it's like, all right. And I think that's where the compulsion to like live for those 30 hours is because it's like, there's this like weird feeling that I need to be switched on into the masculine for 160. And then it's like, it's literally, it's like weekly burnout of like, Oh my God. Why is that? Why would you choose to do that in your work day? And I think it's, I think it's this um, industrial age. I don't know if you've re, uh, read Cal Newport's deep work. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good guy. You would, 
Yes, please. I'm on it. I'm on it. So good. Cal Newport. He, yeah, he talks about, you know, a lot of this mindset comes from the industrial age where it was totally. just like expected to like pump out widgets like for nine straight hours. And it was this like repetitive motion that you just kept doing and you just had to be in it. You couldn't lose attention or focus. And it was like you said to go. So it's fascinating. And, and that our biology hasn't really shifted that much, but yet our mindset should have by now because our work is shifting dramatically because we're in the knowledge age. Like we're not in the, we're in the information age. We're not in the uh, industrial age. We're not, you and I are not sitting here building computers. We're talking through them. So it's a very different situation. Well, I think, uh, well, I think most people are not aware that Rockefeller has actually invented the school system too. So the Rockefeller school system has been in tax since 1903 and it was put in place to create factory workers essentially, which it still is pretty much, so that's pretty much what the school system is, is to teach you how to become a factory worker. And if you think about if you think about kids, right, it's bodies in motion all the time. They're running, they're jumping, like they're they're constantly discharging energy from the body. You get into school, and what is it? It's a training and sitting down and not moving. And then you wonder why you're starting to build energy in the body that's uncomfortable and why you're feeling overwhelmed and all these things. It's like you're literally training the body to go against its natural state, which is to be in almost perpetual motion all the time, right? So it's it's really great to build that into your day as a breath in motion. And remember that the, the strategies you have that are probably creating destruction in your life are really just the... So when, the moment the body starts going into overwhelm, we go right into an automated survival strategy. And what that's doing is it's buffering basically the overwhelm so that the mind is like separate from the body interaction. So it's like the more you start connecting the body and mind interaction, the more you can actually be like, oh my God, there's a lot of sensations in my body happening way before that happens. And you can start developing strategies to discharge that energy. That's why like taking a break, breath motion, stuff like that helps you actually get more time between these, when these automated processes might actually happen. Yeah. Um, this is yeah. so good. Guy. I talked to some of my clients and it's crazy when I first start talking to clients, some of them are like, yeah, I, I don't like get thirsty or like, I don't really know when I'm hungry or when I'm satiated. And it's like, what? Like some of these things that it's like, no, that's like, that's really important information that your nervous system stops sending you at some point. Cause it realized that you weren't listening. Like your nervous system and your unconscious have just pretty much like taken the day off because they're like, you're not going to pay attention. So obviously, you know, it's, so it's fascinating. Number one, what you were just sharing of that. And there was something else that you said that I found so fascinating, the lower brain development, frankly, like when we start as little kids, we need to learn to crawl. We need to creep. And there's just different things that we learn as little toddlers to like develop the vestibular system and like the midbrain and the pons and all these different parts of the brain that don't fully get developed for, for a lot of kids. Cause you know, it's again, this is the super achieving, you know, parents like will try to get their kids to walk really, really quick. And they'd like miss these adult. And that's what creates ADHD, right. It's like this idea. That's part of my story. I don't know if you have that in yours too, guy, but like, I've just been, I've just always had this like knack and need to walk and to move and to shift. And, and it's, yeah, it's part of the balance system in the brain and um, the vestibular system and, and needing that movement literally helps kids like that feel that they're balanced interestingly enough so it's like it's actually sitting still feels wonky and feels like my brain shuts down obviously as i've gotten older that's changed but as a kid that was the literal like reality is i did like you just said i did my best thinking when i was bouncing off the walls totally. so fascinating and i think that 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 kind of lower brain development needs to still be happening for people you know even in their 50s like i mean it's that stuff is never gonna 
stop being a part of your reality. And so why do we stop training for that? Yeah. Um, and that's a lot of the work that I do as well in the, in the Supreme Performance Academy is I, it's just, there's, there's such valuable information and movement. And I know you're a big proponent of movement too. So yeah, more, more and more for sure. So let me ask you this, like, you know, uh, anybody I talk to who is uh, masterful in some space, uh, if they're in health, I'm like, what's the one nutrient that you wouldn't be without, you know? So for somebody who's more in the brain and heart game, like I come to you, I don't know my ass from a hole in the ground, right? Like I, I have been running automated patterns. I'm not eating. Like I'm just funneling coffee into my system, burning my adrenals out. What's the first thing or what's the one thing you would say, hey, here's what you want to be focusing on because we need to take you out of your automated process. We need to put some consciousness in. How do you approach that? Yeah, so I have a process that I take people through. It's called Creative Warrior Movement. Um, okay. And that's, that's actually, that's the name of the company that I run. That's the overarching umbrella for it. It's simple movement, like simple movement, um, taking yourself outside of your environment and doing really simple movement. Um, and even getting into some of those like more bored spaces, because frankly, we're, most of those people are just so overwhelmed and frazzled, like you're saying to the point where they just need some space for some, some things to actually click in, click into place. And so to just start to have some of those aha moments, um, is a game changer and just to really slow down. Um, but you know, it's interesting cause it works against what they're so used to. So, um, so those, those are some that, so I would say movement, really simple movement and, and just letting like some boredom kind of be, be okay is, is tremendously helpful. There's something else that you said that that's, that was sparking there, um, uh, based off what you said, just something around, were you just saying around overwhelm specifically? Uh, I mean, really, however, however you heard it, you know, like, like, you know, it, it's like, you know, right now, for anybody who just has not been uh, exposed to this type of work, um, you know, what's the hook? How, how do you get them to have that? Not get them, but like, how do you invite them to create an opening for that first aha experience? Because for me, like that first aha experience is like a person getting balanced on a bicycle for the first time, right? And, and this is where Western society is kind of asked backwards on things. We, we, we've, uh, we've become so accustomed to just um, being frontal lobe. This is it, right? Everything's logic. So if it's not logical, then it doesn't make sense. Then I won't do it. But it's like, I put you on a bicycle. I could have given you 40 hours of tutorials on how to ride a bike. But if you've never been on a bicycle, I could give you 40 years of tutorials. You can't get on that bike and have balance, right? You can yeah. understand it. You can understand physics and air movement and the whole thing and how to ride it. And this concept that you keep saying balance, but in the moment where balance kicks in when you get on that bicycle, there is a sensation in the body that's anchored in that both the mind and the body are present to. Now, you don't have language for that sensation. You are going to call it balance because that's what you're told it's called. But the point is, is that – or I and the point is, is that it can't be unlearned because the body remembered something. And for me, what I'm always looking to is educational experiences that give access to something like riding that bike, where you can take a, sensor, a sens sensational or sensorial experience and connect it to a thought that the mind has. The mind goes, oh, I learned something, right? And But it, it's got to be tied to the emotion. And that's why I know like, oh, there's the aha moment. And you and you got to get both. So it's like, you know, what are you what are you creating with people that that allows for that connection to happen in different areas of their lives? That's so, so good. So one of the things that I do really, really quickly off the bat for a lot of people is I have them look at their agreements 
which, you know, I'm, I imagine you guys do some form of this too with Satori is looking at the, cause again, it's, you're right. It's like, there's people that are coming from a really uh, set, uh, cerebral place. Yep. So having them start actually in the cerebral place and eventually we bring it down into the body. Um, cause most of my stuff is very, uh, viscerally based, but on a cerebral levels, I have them look at the, what are the agreements in their life? And, and this is the way we, this is where you start to get connection between the, between the conscious and the unconscious mind is where am I making agreements that I'm breaking mm. in all areas of my life? So, you know, I mean, some people like to use integrity, but I feel like integrity can also be associated with shame. And I don't want to say that necessarily for anybody, but, but where are the agreements that I'm breaking, you know, with myself actually, probably first and foremost, but also with others, because that's where I have a disconnect my unconscious mind and my conscious mind, unconscious body, that type of thing. So there's just, there's a lot of, usually a lot of boundaries um, that I'm not keeping with myself and obviously with those around me. So that is probably where I'd start with people. I look at the, it's kind of classic, but I look at the seven dimensions of wellness. So it's uh, the acronym is species and it's uh, so it's spiritual, physical, emotional, intellectual, environmental, and social. I think I got them all something like that. But so I have them actually map those all out and look at like, where are, where are the agreements that I like supposedly, what are the standards that I supposedly hold myself to that I'm not living up to? Um, so like your people can go ahead right now and do that for themselves. And I think that that's incredibly valuable and it gives you just like a really visceral sense. Like the very first time that I did that was I just started bawling because it was such a visceral sense of like, I don't wish for that anymore. And to like have really, really real conversations of like where I say I am and where I actually am. So like taking a real inventory. So, um, and I'm sure you talk about this too, guy. Well, I don't know why I keep saying that. I don't know if you do or not, but um, the- You don't know what I do, man. You know what I do, man. The three things that, that need to occur in behavior change are awareness, acceptance, and inspired action. So the three A's, awareness, acceptance, inspired action. And most people go from like, aha, to like the awareness immediately into like massive action. Let's get pumped. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, like, let's go from awareness and then to the more feminine aspect of it, which is acceptance, which is like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I've been doing this for so long. And sort of mourning that aspect of like, for the last 15 years, I've been doing it this way and it sucks. And like, how much have I really lost out on? And what does that really cost me? And all these things, because that coming out on the other side of that emotion is what absolutely like launches you into inspired action rather than like trying to push a boulder uphill. It's like, you just fly out of that with, with the inspiration of what you need to do next. Um, so that it, is it sounds, I mean. it sounds to me like, it sounds to me like once you go through that process, you're, you're creating from like gratitude and appreciation versus like a survival. Right. And a lot of that, like nine to five that like, let me work until I fucking get it is a lot of that survival yeah. strategy. And, and that's kind of what I forgot to say before. Like I was in a place where it like survival was just at my doorstep all the time. It was like imminent to get somewhere. And it, it wasn't until I got there that it's, it's just like everything else. Like some people need to make a lot of money to realize how empty having a lot of money is. Um, or realizing that even when you have it, the only thing that really changes is your perspective of fear on it. Because when you don't have it, you're fearful of what life looks like when you don't have it. When you do have it, you're fearful of losing all of it, which is even scarier than not having it, right? Because you're fall, you can fall from much higher uh, realm. And then you start, you know, I had this experience like maybe two and a half years ago where I'm like, I had a good amount of money in the bank. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't feel better. 
I don't wake up feeling better about that. Like I don't feel safer essentially was what I thought. Uh, I feel just as driven by survival as I did when I didn't have it. I'm like, what the fuck is up with that? So, so I'm meditating and I think to myself, you know what, let me just create, because we can visualize an experience, create any sensation in the body. And I know this. So I'm like, let me just create a circumstance under which I would feel or think that I feel safe. I'm like, is it a million dollars in the bank? Check in with my body. Nope. $2 million check in with my body. Nope. And I get all the way up to like $10 million and I stop and I don't stop because I feel better now. I stop because I realize I'm still not feeling better. So I think to myself, well, I've been living and creating my business as if the end result is to get here to create safety from the feeling of survival. And I'm like, well, it's not going to come when I achieve that. And, and in my mind, there was like some abstract idea that there was this number out there that would eventually make me feel better. So I'm like, then what's the, what's the bridge? So I thought to myself, I'm like, well, really what I'm looking for is some the sensation in my experience that would have me feel safe. So I'm like, then why, why let it be circumstantial? I'm like, why don't I just start creating that sensory experience in my body? And we can all do that. We can all sit there and watch a movie or read a book and get moved to tears by it or get moved to love or into action or anything else. Like notice that nothing is actually happening in your outside experience. It's all you're, you're generating that experience. So I I've spent years now, and this is like what Joe Dispenza teaches, same thing. It's like putting yourself in, yeah, totally right. Like putting yourself into the state as if the circumstances already happened, because it, it, it is that vibrational frequency that brings upon the experiences, the circumstances, the people, the situations, all of it pulling in. So, you know, what, what he does a really good job of is saying like the thought is like you telling the field what you want. The, the feeling here, creating that sensory experience is like the loop of it, you creating the magnet to attract it back to you. And I think one of the things that we want to start switching besides like the whole resiliency, you know, pleasure conversation on the planet is that um, for the last like since what was it 2006 when the secret like blew up that it created this paradigm of like the law of attraction. But people don't understand that really, not really because they oversimplified it. They didn't because it is simple, but it's not the law of attraction. It's the law of allowing. You attract what you allow. You're not attracting it because you're like sitting there visualizing this shit. You, you have to get to a point in your body where it surrenders that it could, you surrender to that it could come in any way possible, not the way that you think that it should. And it's so it's like the releasing of attachment and surrender and all just like over and over again, over and over again, that process and just building that new muscle. Yeah. One of my favorite like mantras or like questions that I give myself a lot. is just like, how good can I take it? Absolutely. Because it's absolutely so Mm -hmm. good. Man, so many good talking points on that. I just absolutely, I love Joe Dispenza. Like that man is just so incredible, the work that he does. And and you're so right. I think so much of it comes from like, truly we do everything for a feeling. And I think it's funny because the irony of that is that nobody wants to hear that, you know, (laughs) but we build like, yeah, we build massive empires for a lot of reasons, you know, like, because we want to feel a certain way. And it's, and you're right. I love that safety conversation because at the very, very bottom of the rung, like you said, getting out of that survival thing is like just needing to feel safe and to feel like we can trust ourselves and others. And um, it's kind of vulnerable, but I just remember like when I first started like on this path of like starting with, with just like, I want this to be a visceral experience rather than like, I need to first build my kingdom queen in and you know that whole thing of like you just said of like projecting all of your success and happiness way into the future but like what if i let that come now and then build from that um have the visceral experience of it and then and then build from there 
was I remember I would just be in the bathtub and I would just pour like pour warm water. Um, there's so many uh, so many studies around this. I don't know if you have you read the book um, Perception or Sensation. No, I haven't. Sensation. There's no, a book. Forget the woman. Uh, it's called Sensation, but she talks about the science of sensation, and she talks about how. Uh, they did this really interesting study. I feel like you totally geek out, geek out over this guy. They brought people up to uh, this place to give them a test, essentially. And they would welcome them into the elevator. It was a high-rise building. And the person at, would greet them at the elevator. And they would say, hey, can you hold my drink while I check you in? And while they were checking them in, they would either give them a warm cup of coffee or an iced coffee. And interestingly enough, it dramatically changed the results when they got upstairs and actually took the test. They didn't really care because it was the same test. Yeah. Uh, but it was based off of the, the feeling that they received from that cup of coffee. Yeah, they're it's priming them, essentially. They're priming them. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because, yeah. yeah, we say, like, you and I have a warm relationship. Well, our relationship doesn't actually have a temperature to it. But, but with warmth, we actually assume that there's a closeness to it. Right. Um, and cold, there's a, there's a distance. And, you know, some people even joke that, like, certain colder climates, the people are colder. And, you know, the pe- warmer climates, people are nicer. But so what I started to do was when I read that book is I actually started sitting in the bathtub. And I would turn up the lights and I would just have, have warm water and I wouldn't play any music or anything, but I would just literally like be in this war, like be surrounded by warmth. And I would just say, I am safe. I am so mm-hmm. safe. It is so safe to be safe in my body right now. Like it is so safe to be my body right now. And, um, it's crazy. Cause I like at 24, like that's ridiculous to like have to do. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I just remember doing that quite a few years ago and just feeling like, this is the place that I'm at, like needing to start at ground zero. Um, and I don't, you know, sometimes I'll even give that as an assignment to a client of like, I just, there's so much um, survival going on in you um, that we just need to reprogram your nervous system from the bottom up and, you know, it's, 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 it's safety. So yeah, you just gave me a thought, right? Like, so you're 24, you're, you're saying I'm safe, I'm safe. How old are you now? 28 now. You're 28. Okay. So not that that matters really in, in the scope of this conversation, but like, the, the programming, the automated processes, those ages are like two to seven. So it's, yeah, it's like pre precognition, really a pre-verbal precognition. And, you know, with our parents, right, we have this like overarching figure that protects us that goes away and this like, or they, or you have disillusionment because they let you down. That feeling of safety goes out the window. You know, I notice a lot of these days, my, my meditations have changed a lot and it, it's really just, putting mindfulness or observational power, like on the sensational aspects of the body. I don't need to understand the emotion. I don't need to understand the thought behind them. I don't give a shit what the, what the mind is saying. Like none of that. I'm like pure sensation, things need to move. And then what I often notice is like the head kicks in, right? Like, because the head is obsessed with stimulus. So it's going, all right, we finished that process. What's next. And even that, it, even that is a protection mechanism. So I found it, who cares what age it is. Like I'm dealing with this really young part of myself that never quite feels safe. I, I constantly have to reaffirm, especially to my mind when it kicks in to do this protection thing. Number one, thank you because you're doing your job and I'm living because you do that kind of stuff. And number two is like, I'm safe. I'm safe. I'm safe. Because if I don't, if the mind kicks in, the mind always offers resistance and that resistance is always going to cause persistence. So if you're trying to move energy through the body, if you want it to move and you want it to discharge and you want it to disperse and you want the body to go through the experiences that it's trying to have, that we protect ourselves from the mind, you have to reaffirm to your mind all the time, like, we're safe, we're safe, clearly I'm in a bathtub, nothing is a threat here right now unless I just somehow drown myself, but that's probably not going to happen. It's like, 
we could stop looking at age as a parameter for becoming an adult. An adult is nothing more than another being and another possibility. Truthfully speaking, I've coached between me and my brother. I think we coach about 10,000 people and I, and I have yet to meet anybody who doesn't have a self-worth conversation. Yep. You know, some, some version of I'm bad. I'm no good. Like no one escapes that no one escapes not completing their development process. We all have survival strategies in place and it, and, and it's, uh, just prudent to just start like empathizing with each other that the fact that we're all pretty much just traumatized children and whatever it is that we're calling adult is really just a child in a bigger body who still really hasn't learned how to adapt well to this world. There's no harsh reality. We've created a harsh reality. Reality is there's nothing harsh about reality. So it, it's a matter of us like kind of like defragging reality a bit and not listening to the powers that be who are creating this certain view of the way things are. It's more the way things that have been, you know, like I, I believe eventually, and I'm talking about the next few years, but this is like some really esoteric ethereal shit that we're going to have like a, we're going to have like a, a global experience within the next few years, whether that's through natural disaster or some kind of extraterrestrial contact like some experience is going to be a unifying experience throughout the planet. And that's going to be a huge catalyst in my opinion for a, a very fast global shift. And it might not be like, we might get to a point where we just time hop and some people are going to be ready for that time hop. And th- there's this amazing show on HBO called leftovers. Okay. If anybody, if anybody hasn't seen it, it's, it's the same guys who did lost or one of the guys who did lost. Okay, and, cool. it's just, and it's, and it's, kind of fucked up dark show but like if you really get the undertone the spirituality that they're talking about is essentially a whole part of the society time hops and disappears in moment one moment on the planet so two percent of the entire planet uh dis- disappears at one time or like the fountainhead status or i didn't read fountainhead but it's like one second they're there the next second they're not okay, okay. so like so two percent of the world's population just disappears at one time wow. and then the, and the next three seasons that's uh, the whole show is just three seasons deals with the people who were left behind so it's the leftovers right trying to trying to like live in this world where this cosmic event basically has occurred and like and how they deal with that and and the way that the show represents it and how it ties all up is really really nice and again if you're like a spiritual educated person you you probably really enjoy that conversation yeah yeah it's good stuff man the law it's called the leftovers leftovers yeah leftovers yeah yeah, I I really love this conversation, guy. I love I love the whole thing. It's so so valuable because I think that there's um, there's not enough people talking about it. You know, I think um, I think when it first became available to me was um, when I found out that my sister was diagnosed as well. I just realized I've never publicly shared this. My my sister's diagnosed with uh, borderline personality disorder. Okay. So and essentially the way I was it was explained to me when I was like I don't know fifteen was essentially she has the cognitive abilities of a 30 year old or whatever, you know, whatever she biologically is, but um, has the emotional stunting to be, you know, five, six or seven. But what, so what's fascinating though, to me is I feel like most of us really aren't that far off of that from what you, you know, what you just said of your, your hypotheses. And I think it's really true. I think it's like, Everyone that I experienced, you're right. It's like Amanda and I joke that we're proactively going to like, like literally to get ahead of the curve, like come to this realization. I think so many parents like, like do everything that they can to control their child into being the perfect kid. And that's what really messes the kid up in a lot of ways. And I think what Amanda and I realized is like, you know what? 
we're going to mess you up. And that's not, you know, that's, we're going to do the best that we can, but just to fully acknowledge and be realistic, the, 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 like, we're not going to be perfect because no, nobody's perfect. They're raising their children. Sure. So like, we're going to start like a fund when they're a kid of like their life coaching fund that they can like start using. <laughs> to like work through all the stuff that mom and dad screwed up for them. And it's just, it's just cause I think it's, it's really, really valuable to be having these kind of conversations with people. And I love that you're doing that with, you know, 10,000 plus people growing to, what did you say? A hundred million? Is that where we're, we're going to million. Hundred million, and and I'm and I'm very clear that it's not going to be on the backs of what Elon and I do. It's going to be look. I mean, what we're creating, just like what you're creating, it's a it's like an idea, right? It's like an idealized way of living that's not necessarily truer than the way that we're living right now because there's no real truth to it. It's just like, hey, we we tested this paradigm. We know what we're committed to in this paradigm, just like you said, right? There's like the, there's the uh, that process that you take people through. Basically, another, said another way, it's like here's where you're committed to. Here's where the out of integrities are about that, and yep. it's like okay, well, we see the results of that. Like the way the world looks now is living in this paradigm. This is the kind of results we get. This is the kind of leadership that we get. These are the kind of conversations we get to have, and it's like you know, an idea is about nothing more than just changing that conversation and making things that our society has said are bad. Like, don't look at mysticism. That shit is evil. I don't know about you guys, but pretty much every single thing that I was ever taught through society, the joy and pleasure of my life comes from living in the exact opposite way of what society told me. So it's like, and, and it's interesting because you have to think, was there a plan in place that said, hey, we know what it is to be a spiritually guided human being. Let's change the script. Let's change the conversation on the planet, right? And, and that that any body did this we can call that a conspiracy fine maybe that there is a plan like that in place who knows but it's like the conversation can be changed like we're a generation away if we want it to be from raising kids in a completely different way like i see that with my brother's kids like so much more consciously raised and it's not to say that they're going to be perfect just like what you said because when a child is born you don't know what their personal needs are going to be or what their frame of the world is going to be that in a specific moment creates so much trauma that they don't feel that they're even if mom and dad are doing the best fucking job on the planet, that doesn't matter. At some point, the kid's going to feel unsafe and some some need won't be met. And that need not being met will start some kind of survival strategy. So at the same time, though, like we are we haven't been giving credit to how brilliant children actually are, how much they can actually absorb and that giving them tools to raise their awareness so that the trauma isn't quite as deep as what we experienced because like me and you we did trauma and i'm glad like at 19 i started getting tools to like really look at my trauma if i hadn't i'd be dead now for sure because i was i was going straight to suicide that was very clear to me and for a lot of people that's the case you know just just making those tools available at younger ages and not and not looking at children as they're just these stupid little beings no they're fucking brilliant little beings and actually we have probably more to learn from them than they do from us because they're they they come whole and complete they're living the way that a human probably would be had we not set all these fucking rules yes yes you know one of my favorite quotes is i have a friend that said um his name's ethan jones and he said we create rules in place of trust it's great it's just so good because it's you're right i think that that's what what unadulteratedly trust themselves and it's beautiful. And, um, and they just like, they trust their creativity. They trust that that crazy idea that they just had about the dinosaur, like makes sense. And you should really trust them. I remember when I was five and we went to the museum 
and I like can well I, I was I was convinced that I could read hieroglyphics and so like I was explaining to my parents like all the all the things that were that like were etched into these um, stones about the the Egyptians and uh, it's just you know it's so when I look back on it it's like so cute but it was also freaking awesome because uh, it gave me this experience of certainty and um, you know just this this like level of uh, personal power that at some point someone's like no 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 no. you don't know that like quit that quit trying to you know know no thing <laughs> it's like it's really fascinating and I'm so grateful that I have parents that were always like yeah man hell yeah you can do it and not to the point of disillusionment but they were just like we're always um just like totally let me go there you know I was Batman until I was like five or six like I was <laughs> very sure of it so so you're not batman anymore uh, i'm still like by night but we don't talk about it very you're, more much. Like, you're more like you're more like robin now you're like you're you're working your way up you don't have the you don't have the right suit with the nipples on it yet absolutely yeah. no i'm yeah. just rocking the tights at the moment that, so. that's it that's it well you do live in san diego i feel like you're fully indoctrinated with the tights <laughs> I, still, I still haven't pulled all the way to you know the ball clasping cotton around my yeah. but i'm yeah, working on it have to be something that you and i rock at some point we'll just like pop into a party and we'll have like the like the you know like the brotherhood thing going on there i was thinking i'll pull out the, all the stops for burning man see how that feels if it feels good i'll bring it back home with me okay you've been to the burn right i haven't mm, not neither have i really that actually that really surprises me guy i just My, me that. too <laughs> just the, is it just the length of it why haven't you gone uh you know what i think if it was like 10 years ago i probably would have been more naturally called i'm committed to going next year um, it's it's definitely one of the experiences I want to experience. Uh, it's, it's Leonardo it's like, da Vinci or something. I, it was that was that was like last year I think Leonardo's Vinci's uh, oh, workshop or something like that. It, okay. I think for me it's it's just like plant medicine. It's never been this like large pull, and I was like I'm not going to do it unless I feel pulled to it. Um, I think as I've been here more and more, like uh, I can see the benefit of it. I, I'm sure it's a joyous occasion. Um, I don't know why I haven't gone, but I just haven't. And uh, yeah, I, it surprises me too because I'm definitely like a a perennial let's go do some freaking crazy ass experiences as much as possible i i am i'm finding myself as i've gone older these especially especially this last year and these last few years like just wanting to slow down and actually stop the stimulus because of, of how how actively stimulated i have been and it's like it's the same thing like i actually feel like i'm frying my brain a little bit and i actually feel like i'm at a point and I've been told this from outside sources too. So it's coming both from like internal and just like external feedback. Now I'm at a place where like I have everything I kind of need already. And I, and I, but I've conditioned myself to keep pumping my brain full of stuff. And I'm like, I've just seen like, just go with it. Like, you know, I'm tired of arguing about truth. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited about discovering my own. Or I should say remembering my own, not even discovering my own. Yeah. We, we all come here a whole and complete. There's nothing to discover. There's just everything to remember. And it's like there, there's a reason we come here in a forgotten state while our soul has all the imprinting of every lifetime and all the experiences that it's had. And it's like more than anything, I'm interested, how do I hack my soul? Yeah. You know, how do I hack and get the information that my soul has been looking for this truth forever, right? Um, yeah. So now it's like, do I really need external stimulus to do that? It's been interesting. I, I love plant medicine work, and I'm super uh, comfortable with leaving my body and, and being in alternate dimensions and channeling and, and all that stuff, uh, which is funny to me that it all exists in this package. Um, yeah, but that, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm like, I'm going to slow things down. I'm going to let 
I've had no relationship with God up until the last few years. And that's something I've like been developing from, from my own place, not from like a dogmatic nature. And I'm kind of like, you know what? You fill in the blanks. I'm kind of tired of doing it. Hey, I just wanted to pause here for a second and tell you about something that I realize many of you have no idea about. So Guy and I have just released a brand new advanced training. So after hundreds of emails and questions constantly asking us, well, how do I have it all? How do I have it all? We've created the five pillars to having it all. So if any of the things we share with you here on the podcast have resonated with you, then I'd like to invite you personally to an all new training. Now you can register for the next live class by heading to www.satoriprime.com forward slash register. There you'll be able to register for the next live class. Or if you're one of these people that I need it now, you can always just watch the latest replay on that page as well. This, by the way, my friends, is a robust, in-depth training that will help you clearly see what's currently stopping you in any area of your life, be it your health, your relationships, your finances, or simply just maybe you want to manifest that big dream. It will help you with all of that. So again, go check it out by going to www.satoriprime.com forward slash register. And now back to the podcast. The words that just were coming to my mind is almost like a modern day mystic of sorts because there's been a there's a book and I don't know why it came to my mind when you were talking about there's a book by uh, probably because I grew up Catholic so there's a there's a, a Christian mystic um, I think he's like from like the 40s or this 40s or 60s I know that's like a 20 year gap or a 40 year gap but uh, 20 year gap but um, his name's Richard Rohr and he wrote okay. a book called The Naked Now. Mm phenomenal book and it's and it's it's almost like Eckhart Tolle style but it's like through like a Christian lens and it's like it's so beautiful and it's written in this man's words of just like I'm just experiencing this and I'm this is just my this is just my experience and so you were talking about frequency and just like the attraction of what that is and and it's like it's so raw and real for this guy and it's like oh it's just it's a stunning book it's really really small but um it's a beautiful read so if you ever get a chance it's really really good I'm curious, based on that upbringing and like you know the cognitive dissonance around sin and, and Jesus and everything, like so with all the work that you've done over these years, how how are you finding that relationship now to religion, to Christ, and all that kind of stuff? Like, I, I'm sure it's adapted and changed, but do you still find yourself pulled, or are you just like extracting the best that you can from that and kind of having a more holistic view? Yeah. Yeah, I'm really curious. I've been recently curious about some of the more like esoteric texts about Jesus and about some of that kind of stuff. Because I think for me, it's um, I'm all about the and I think you are in a lot of ways, too, from what I've heard, the way I've, I've heard you talk about it, too, guys, like the divinity within, like, uh, you know, the company, you know, that I worked for, it was called Entheos and uh, and the, the God within. And that was like one of the, these principles that I just absolutely love to this day. And that's how I see a lot of um, divinity is, is that it's everywhere and it's within a lot of, it's within everything. It pervades everything, um, all time and space. And so when I talk about, uh, when I look at a a guy named Jesus, uh, to me, he's a guy named Jesus who like mastered his, his internal divinity state. And so for me, it's like, I just want to read that dude's biography. And, uh, like that's, so I'm at, I'm at a place of that. So I'm interested in getting my hands on any text and reading about, you know, I was, uh, Yogananda, uh, wrote a book. I think it was just like the teachings of Jesus. I think is what he called it. But it was was also through like, uh, through a lens of, um, Hinduism and Buddhism. And, um, so it's so fascinating to read that book. Um, as you can tell, I like to read, but, um, 
Yeah, I just so so that's kind of where I'm at at the moment, and 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 creating like a personal relationship as well, like with um for for me it's it's God. I don't know if I like have uh if Jesus needs to be, I yeah it's just like I'm just fascinated um at how I can be you know I remember like ten years ago I used to think of it like you know like they put governors on cars to like stop their how fast they can go. It's like like Jesus just learned how to like pop the governor off on his divinity levels and it's just like and it's a lot of us have this governor on and it's just like how do I pop that governor off? Yeah uh, so I like can that. be at my highest level of divinity um of what that looks like. You know and, and I'm absolutely still on the journey. There's no uh there's no guru status here by any means. So yeah, it's, it's exciting stuff. I love this conversation, guy. This is so Good fun. Man. You're really fun to talk to, guy. <laughs> I love it. Some people say that, yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate that very much. Uh, yeah, like, likewise. You know, I'm, I'm always interested in, in people's paths, and I think we should do this again. And I'd, I'd love to actually dig a little bit deeper into your relationship with your sister or just stand for a few more minutes and talk about it. So, she, so she's been you know, formally diagnosed. Is that true? Yep. Okay. And from your perspective, like to me, everything more or less, actually more than less, it is psychosomatic in nature. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's just like pressure that's being applied internally through energy that's not moving, et cetera. Like I believe diseases are real and I'm discounting diseases, except we're self-creating and perpetuating them. Um, so like it's interesting for me, like because uh, you said she has multiple, or, uh, multiple personality disorder. Uh, borderline personality. So one one personality, but just emotions are coping mechanisms for emotions are a lot. Is it like a, a, like Asperger's type of thing, almost like autism? No, 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 no. That's the thing. She's cognitively very there. Like she's okay. like like you or I. She's so so in a conversation. It's it's almost more like on the. the this is my understanding. Is it's almost more like on the. I want to say the narcissism scale. It's it's like bipolar in a in a lot of ways. It's very similar to bipolar. So it's just it's just that she has troubles managing her emotions essentially. But so how, how, there. she's like super intelligent. She's with it. Got it. Yeah. So also, uh, I'm from, not a doctor, so I don't actually know like all the official. This is just my experience. Like so. Nor, nor do I actually care what doctors say. There's re, there's there's a reason do, what doctors do is called practice because they're all just fucking practicing. They have no idea what they're doing. Um, <laughs> so like I'm more interested in your perspective, right? And again, like I'm not trying to disseminate truth here. I just like I'm interested in in, in like your education and then like how do you choose to view somebody who's dealing with that? Because I get her experience. Nothing could be more real, right? And but for you, so like. How do you get empowered and are you able to help her, uh, you know, with any part of it? Like what, so what's your take on it? And, and hopefully if she's watching, you know, just, this is just Matthew's truth and like, doesn't make it the truth. I'm just interested in that. Yeah. You know, guy, I wish, I love that I can just like share this so openly with you. Yeah. I, I don't have the answers on this one yet. Um, her and I used to be really, really close. And I noticed um, as I got older um, and I started to put down some boundaries of, of de- de- um, agency and sovereignty of mm. who Matthew is, um, it became harder and harder to find myself in the midst of those conversations. And um, a lot of them really emotional and um so yeah, I, ha- I wish I-, I wish I had like a stronger sense of what that is. I think my capacity um, at a certain point was just reached, and and 
and we're yeah our relationship's kind of on and off at the moment because it's it's hard it's um uh, my okay so yeah so my understanding of it is at least through her lens is that it's um it's driven by abandonment mm-hmm. the feeling the fear of abandonment so it's this really like push it's this really like pull in and then push out kind of relationship so it was uh, frankly it was really hard for my heart to really like stay in it um because it's like it's just a whole lot of like pushing and pulling of the heartstrings and so um and again it's like it's not fully conscious like i don't think she knows it i don't think she's aware of how much that it happens but it's um yeah it's it's really push and pull so let's let, let's let's flip it a little bit then change the angle because i i get there's you know you, you don't want to name it something which is which is fine so i guess like if you i imagine you're down with this right like a soul comes to this planet Mm. we're in these souls up there if you've read like a uh, journey of souls destiny of souls we're in these soul clusters and we choose to come down here sign contracts to create experiences for one another mm-hmm. why do you think that experience is part of your experience what does it tell you that's awesome i've definitely thought about that one a lot uh like taking personal responsibility on like a on like a soul level just like what does that look like um and not taking responsibility for her actions but taking responsibility for how i show up for it um is yeah is is okay so you want to know so you talked about a hundred and uh say a hundred million hundred million for me is um i want to and this is so grandiose and i'm so young so i have so much time is i want to you know speak loud speak proud yeah you know they're mapping like the human genome right now of course yeah I want to be in the conversation and I feel like there are so many people already starting there, but of like mapping the unconscious, like, I don't even know like how you even start on that. Cause we, you know, we're still working on the conscious mind and that's only 5% of the 90, you know, of the hundred percent of the mostly unconscious. But so that's it for me is that that sparked my interest in emotions mm. and how they are stored in the body and, um, and movement and, and, and really the unconscious mind and how that plays out and how um, relationships are played into that. Um, so yeah, it just, it feels like it really did. Yeah. So this is, this really hits very literally very close to home is, is sure. Uh, my personal mission for being on this planet feels like it is very tied to that. Um, and, and eventually hopefully more healing in that relationship, um, or at least even healing within myself around that relationship. Um, cause there's, yeah, there's a lot of guilt there. There's still like a lot of like, Oh, what did I do? Or what, what, you know, what could be done? Or right. Hasn't been, you know, lots of the thoughts of those questions. And, um, you know, and I, and I, honestly, it's funny because, and I'm sure you've probably seen this before too. It's like, that's not the childhood that I grew up in. Like I, like I have a childhood where it's like, I feel like I had phenomenal parenting and like, I love my parents and we have such a close relationship. I just got back from Wisconsin where I was raised. And so it's, it's fascinating how, you know, they've done so many studies, even like on identical twins and stuff like that. And, and my sister and I aren't twins, but just how people can be born with literally even the same genetic makeup, like almost to a T and that their life experiences are so sure. different. Well, aren't you and your bro? You guys are super close in age, right? Or are you guys twins? Uh, no, we're not twins. Two and a half years. He's older. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it's, so it's fascinating. You know, she's four years older than me, but still it's like such a vastly different experience of life. Um, so, Which is so interesting too. Same parents. 
you know, usually same parenting style. Usually they're a little bit more lax on the second one. Uh, but even that, like, you know, thinking about that, you have people and, and then you raise these kids that are so vastly different. I think it points to more like what was the early trauma, like, you know, what part of the development did get complete? So we're all basically going through like this development cycle until about seven years old. And for everybody, just some part of the cycle, whether early on or later in the game, does it get complete? You got to develop some kind of strategy for like compensating for that. And then that strategy becomes your survival, like automated survival pattern. Um, and that's what we're all fucking dealing with, basically, is like these deeply integrated patterns that are just like so tied into like all our neuronal pathways. And there's so many different triggers for it. And that's why there's not enough consciousness in this world, languaging or consciousness that you could put on it. You could find one strategy. And like, yeah, the thing's got like 10,000 more sitting right behind it. And so the, the triggers keep happening. And that's why I think where people get let down because they're like, I thought I handled this. And then there's disappointment again. Yeah. And like, how many times have I been under the disillusion that like something's handled? And then I'm like with mom and dad. And I'm like, I'm triggered as fuck right now, you know? And yeah. and, and that's just how it goes. You know, I was just going to say in the way that I look at it, absolutely. It's huge as hell. And it's only cliche because it's true. Is the layers of an onion. Like I... I always have to remind myself that like, Hey, I'm just hitting the next layer. Cause I think you're right. It's, it's, it's like sort of disempowering to be like, Oh, I thought I dealt with this. Like this sucks. Why am I seeing this again? And I'm just like, I always have to remind myself that it's actually, it's like, no, no, I'm actually better. I'm actually better at this. Like I have gotten my, my response time and my ability to like, see this has gotten so much better than it was the last time. And it's, you're right. It's like, there's that next layer right behind it that, that like still needs to get, looked at and healed and all the things neuronally and all of it so totally so what are what are your parting words to our uh public audience here live long and prosper <laughs> no, um i don't know that's such a great question i mean i think it's just what's your wish for the planet like what what would you like if, if tomorrow you could wake up and humanity was living in the way that you imagined we could like what would that dream life look like for everybody uh, we would come back to our biology Cool. Come back to our biology. You know, I think that the, the the genesis of how something is created is how it must be sustained. Um, I've learned that from mm. fantastic mentors and friends, Brandon Hawk, who I'm sure you know as well. Um, learned that a number of years ago from him, and it's just it just rings so true. And I feel like that is what technology. Uh, it's so unfortunate. And this is this is this is why this is my mission guy in in working in the community that I work in is that tech is shaping our world and it's the genesis of how it's being created at the moment is overwhelmed frustration and frazzled and that pervades out that creates a ripple effect into the world that is why I work with this community is because I, I, I don't want them to be overwhelmed I want them to come back to their biology and create it from a really empowered strong place um one of my favorite quotes is the navy seals say and i'm sure you well, I can, this is this is interesting this pattern of like i'm sure you know this you may not is um is the navy so far seals, i haven't known much of it <laughs> yeah, that's awesome the navy seals say um slow is smooth and smooth is fast right that's uh in racing they say the same thing yeah yeah, yeah. Smooth is fast. Smooth is fast. And slow is smooth. Yeah. So, uh, so that's what I look at is the slower that we go, the, the, the faster we're actually going to end up going. So slowing down to speed up. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I just hear, I just hear like a lot more alignment and responsibility in how we're creating stuff versus, you know, very ego driven ways for creating things. And, and I don't want to vilify the ego. It has its place too. And I think that the, the personal development world has spent a lot of time vilifying 
uh, an ego that actually we need to befriend uh, yes. more than we need transcend to vilify. Transcend and include, right? It's yeah. Transcend and include the ego. Absolutely. All right, brother. Awesome stuff, man. Great conversation. Thank you, uh, I didn't say this yet to you, but congratulations on the nuptials. Thank you. To new, you and your wife, your new wife. And yeah. uh, just a lot of love and and success and whatever you guys touch. I know it's already happening, but just a lot more of that. And you have like an absolute magical experience with that amazing woman. All right, brother. Uh, bye. Love you, brother. <laughs> Love you too. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, brother. Bye, everybody. So one last reminder before we wrap up here today, if you haven't already grabbed the app that all of your fellow Satorians are going gaga over, then I would recommend to do it right now. Well, I guess if you're driving, maybe not just this second, but when you get a chance, go to your iTunes or Google Play Store, search for Satori Prime and download it today. You'll get access, like I said earlier, to an amazing and life-changing 10-part mini-series. And if you want to know the clear steps to create the have-it-all life for yourself, this app is an absolute must. Like I said, and you can hear in my voice, we are incredibly excited to share it with you and be with you inside of our community. So we'll see you there. So that's it, my friends. That's today's episode. I just want to thank you for being part of our Have It All family and truly, truly thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help or give back in any way possible, the best way would be to share this or any other episode that you loved with your family, friends, or colleagues. And if you'd be so great as to just leave us a rating and a comment on either iTunes or Stitcher, whichever you use, that helps us tremendously. It only takes about two to three minutes of your time and would mean the world to us. Finally, I want to let you know that if you want to get even more exclusive content from Guy and I, just head over to satoriprime.com and make sure you join our mailing list. Now, I know what you might be thinking, God, not another mailing list, but I promise you, you'll only get an email or two from us per week and it will always have amazing videos and articles that I'm sure you're going to love. Promise. So until next time, you can join our ongoing conversation at the Have It All Facebook group where you can let us know how we're doing and what we can do to improve. Love you all and we'll see you on the next Have It All podcast. Have an amazing, amazing day, my friends.